The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba. We continue our season previews, all 30 teams across Major League Baseball to get you ready for the fantasy baseball season upon us. We're into February, and draft season is ramping up in a big, big way. And why not get to the AL East, or NL East, to the Miami Marlins? And of all people to join me to talk Miami Marlins baseball, good friend of mine, good friend of the show, co-partner, founder, owner, however you want to say it, of gaining the edge fantasy with myself, Michael Simeone, and Jorge Montanez. You can find him also at The Athletic, at Fantasy Pros, and the man behind the Bases Loaded podcast. He's on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Mike Curlin, how you doing, my friend? I'm so much better now that I'm here with you, Bubba. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded so honest and sincere. And then, then I opened my mouth and actually realized, and everyone realizes, oh, it's not. It's sarcasm. It's Curlin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're talking Marlins baseball. Yeah, Curlin's like, been very pumped about this for a while. Oh, this is like it's cool. Okay, cool. I'm a fan of the Marlins. I get it. It's it's it hurts to be one, but I am. And then I realized we had this discussion. Like, who else is there in the fantasy circles that really are a, f- a fan of the Marlins? And I realized, kind of alone, <laughs> kind yeah. of on this island, <laughs> and nobody's really rushing over here to save me or be a part of it. So. Uh, here I am on, you know, probably I think I have two more Marlins previews coming up. Shocker, you know, you're the man. You're the uh, man for the job. It's a beautiful uh, thing. The bar isn't set very high and it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one guy. Like, hey, it's sometimes it's all it takes. Yeah. Just one guy. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll, it'll be fun. Yeah, there, there is a lot to it. I, I know I understand. I tend to undersell myself a lot, which I shouldn't do. But yes, I tend do. to do. But I also, under, I also undersell the fantasy uh, interest here in the Marlins because 
At least we're not the Pirates. Yes, the Pirates. <laughs> I did the I, I recorded the Oakland Athletics before that. Oof. And you want to talk about tough for fantasy? That might be the worst. So, um, and Carlos Marcano yeah. was a great man and joined me on that show, and we <laughs> kind of had a therapy session for forty five minutes. So it was uh, it was good stuff. So we'll talk Marlins, but before we do so, I mentioned where your work is at. Let people know what you got going on. Okay, so uh, we're ramping up. Obviously, you know, behind the scenes, we're ramping up for a very busy draft season. We've already been pumping stuff out. I'm slacking on getting those pitcher ranks out, but they're coming out for the Patreon. Uh, getting our top 50s out tomorrow, and then uh, top 100s probably by mid, early to mid next week. So we got that going on. We have uh, Fantasy Pros. I just started writing there. So dropped a spring training, like what I watch out for in a typical spring training because the, the World Baseball Classic isn't typical. And you know what else isn't typical? The last few years of spring training. So uh, with all that said, though, we're st- I'm actually coming up with, and you guys are helping me behind the scenes figure out how I can still bring a unique spin to spring training this year. So that's a whole nother discussion, but that's a whole nother game plan going on behind the scenes. Uh, the athletic mission, I got stuff there coming out soon, uh, 40 man stuff where I'm, and I actually have a list of a lot of names of every single team's obscure names of just most likely ALNL only type of formats. This will really benefit. And maybe some DCs. If you're into drafting hold formats, it's going to be basically going through every single team's 40 man and just picking out some really obscure names that could just find ways in the playing time via injury or performance in the minors, or just maybe have a big, big spring training with an added look this year. So that's the type of thing I'm kind of focusing on right now, kind of really honing in on the deeper league stuff. And, and uh, the YouTube obviously is actually, I have a video I'm recording tomorrow. Yeah, there it is. I know the one thing that uh, it's also a gaining the edge product. It is uh, a youtube.com slash at GTE fantasy which is something you'll find from pretty much everything I do. Uh, Patreon.com slash GTE fantasy. And yep. uh, yeah, so that's like the big two things right now is the Patreon and the YouTube. And then of course the athletic and fantasy pros for written content on top of all that. So yeah. busy. Curly's yeah. busy. I, I do this but, stuff every year, man. <laughs> I know. I know. It's that's not how the season started. And we all said it was going to happen. And you said, no, it wouldn't. And here we are. So, uh, but it's because it's because it's, it, it's, it's the way your brain works. And we're not going to go on a whole podcast about this, but we love that. It's concentrated. It's concentrated love, on certain yeah. niches. I'm, I'm, I'm holding true to the niche work. I really yeah, am. Just trying to fine tune it because the WBC, I didn't realize it until you spilled it out to us like yesterday or today or whatever. I think it was, it was today. It like, really like opened my eyes. Like, oh, yeah, that's going to make lineup tracking really tricky when half the main players aren't even going to be around like, i get i get one strong week of and i would think that the teams are going to use utilize their players normally for that week just to get them a ramped up for the wbc so they don't go in getting injured pop you know more likely but also they want to see what they have and tinker with their own stuff and a lot of teams not a lot of teams really slow play their spring training stuff and then of course as teams fall in and out or fall out of the contention you'll have players return to the lineup so some teams will get some more run than others in terms of looks so it's going to be an ongoing process of just balancing all this stuff all year all, all season all spring training i should say but there are some teams that are largely unaffected so there are still going to be some teams worth watching it's just going to be a matter of i actually had jordan from our chat he e- emailed me i haven't had a look, chance to look at it yet but he went through every single roster for me and picked yeah. out every major league player on a WBC roster and not even the official rosters, the the unofficial the 40, rosters, 40 or 50 man rosters, the 50 man rosters right yeah. now. So um, as people drop out, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to drop the news in our, which he's like, you know, that's his he's thing. WBC I was like, King. It's, uh, it's, it's impressive. 
So I want to give him, you know, his like, props. Like he's do he did a lot of legwork. I shared him my little list, and I'm, I'm I didn't even I don't even think he looked at my little list I had going because I spent about an hour or so today collecting names. So and he he just went above and beyond. So I'm I'm looking forward to taking that because what I'm gonna do is take that and then tr- and then that's gonna lead myself to tracking, which I'll share with the Patreon. I'm gonna be tracking who's in and out of lineups and who reenters and as they reenter, how it shifts the lineup around, and so it's gonna still be a very unique niche product. And there is a lot of carryover, at least to the early part of the season, a lot of the time. So I am a little frustrated that we don't get quite that sample again in spring mm-hmm. training. But I think it's still going to be something worth tracking just for the fact that maybe we do get an extra name or two versus maybe the larger handful we get entering the year in a given season. So for ultimately, sure. ultimately, I, I will find a way to still do something unique with it. It's just going to be challenging and something I need to keep up with daily, more so than usual, probably, which is just... Bring it at this point. Bring it on, yeah, man. That's what Kirkland lives for. That's what he lives for, folks. Don't let him tell you otherwise. Challenge. The challenge is always fun, man. I think when we start here with the Marlins, one thing we can both agree on is as rough as things can be, there's one guy that we both love a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's on the cover of MLB The Show 2023. And he's swagged out. And if he could ever just stay healthy, God, he'd be amazing. And I'm talking about the one, the only Jazz Chisholm, ADP of around 47 over the last couple of weeks, according to DC's. Like he's always like 14 homers, 12 steals at 254 in 60 games. That's some pretty serious pacing if you want to play that game. But the talent's legit. It's just stay healthy. And now he might play center field, it sounds like. It's like going to. He's not my he's going to play center field. So how are you looking at jazz and drafts? Because I love jazz. I know you love jazz. It's just there's a lot of risk involved with jazz. We're not even talking about the smooth sounds of jazz. We're talking about jazz chisholm. Yeah, and honestly, I go back and forth here with Jazz in terms of how I feel about him playing center field because, and I'm sure you, you know, you've been watching this game for a long time, playing fantasy and being an analyst for a long time. You've seen players learning new positions be a huge issue for them offensively. However, that's usually when a player is being forced to learn a new position. Jazz, from the article I was reading from the Athletic a week ago or so after you know the news broke that he was going to be playing center field. He put it out there that he would want to do it and be willing to. And he wants to be, quote, it was like almost word for word, quote, like the best center fielder in baseball, because that's just the type of attitude, mindset and uh, just what he expects from himself, which I love that type of attitude from a young player. And Jazz brings that to the table. So I love the work ethic. He's already putting in the work for it and wants it. So that kind of changes my full on like outlook of being completely negative. But then okay fine it's not a negative outlook he wants to learn this position he's going out of his way to and he's going to plus the talent behind the plate in terms of not i shouldn't say behind the plate like he's a catcher but you know the talent the talent from that side of the ball i think that'll already kind of just play up to what it is i'm not too worried about that regressing in a negative manner because of this as much but it's just one of those things that how healthy can he stay in center field? It's a more demanding, physically demanding position that requires him to be more athletic than second base requires him to exercise those legs that tend to get hurt. Groins can get are more prone to injury out there, you know, hamstrings, et cetera, calves walls, you know, Eloy, (laughs) please. (laughs) Speaking of another guy I love. Um, So yes, it's one of those things where he has to learn all this now and wanting to is great and also again that takes away that mental strain of maybe not you know the average player learning a new position might not want to but now he's adding in the physical the potential for physical injury and that's where it's like the give and take i I don't know what to do here i'm kind of i'm just i realized i've i'm drafting i I was in a draft i'm in a draft right now and 
had a had Randy Rosarina not been there in the third for me, I think Jazz still would have been one of my top choices. So it hasn't scared me off yet. But it's one of those things that if I take Jazz early in the third, fourth, in the third round, I should say, because that's where he's going. Um, I'm not taking any other risks in like the first ten picks. Otherwise, like he is that risk pick you take in the early rounds if you're taking a risk at all. Like yeah, you don't I, comp- compound risk basically here. And I agree. It's like you got to limit your risk, and he's a great risk because again, he could be a 30-30 guy pretty easily. I say easily if he plays the games. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's not the fact of learning the new position that bugs me as much as it's a position where guys are diving and running into things, and he's going to play at 110. percent It's just his style. And that's what scares me about Jazz. It's not that he couldn't play the position. It's going to, you know, it might affect him for a, a month of the year, but I don't think it's going to be a long term thing. It's more of staying healthy and not, you know, doing dumb things in the outfield, especially on that turf in Miami and everything. So that is my concern with Jazz. We'll see. Great ADP could be a league winning play if he stays healthy. So definitely worth the risk. Let's real quick. Uh, I know we we again. <laughs> I I was talking about how the Marlins suck. But I'm over here like let's talk about Jazz a little more. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone, it's just it's one of those things where everyone knows this about Jazz, but let's just make sure people understand. The left hand, the splits are just terrible for him. You know, Jazz can't hit lefties or at least hasn't to this point in his career. To say a 25 year old can't hit against a certain side, of, it's just not in a larger sample and all that. But 661 career OPS, 238 career WOBA, and a career 78 WRC plus against lefties uh, for Jazz. And the, no, the other thing is, is I'm not sure he leads off, which is actually a benefit for him if yeah. those if the, if the numbers in, from uh, runners in scoring position actually are an indication. If you look at his splits with men in scoring position, yep. it's like a 951 OPS, a 395 Woba, 154 WRC+, plus, a 296 yep. ISO. So Jazz crushes with players on ahead of him, which yep. I would like to think that they see this too. You know, the Marlins. You'd hope so. You can you can argue that the Marlins aren't the best in terms of some things, but the number if if us regular people are seeing this, it, you got to think that maybe Jazz bats second or third with the idea of there's going to be players ahead of him now that can definitely set the table for him. Yeah, I've seen I saw those Jazz like on base guys and like players on base hitting stats and everything recently, and I was just like blown away. And because at first I saw roster resource like a couple weeks ago, he's hitting third or fourth. I'm like, what are they doing? And then. I saw those stats and I'm like, huh, that makes sense. You got to rise. You got a cigar in front of them that can get on base. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So I'm intrigued. I'm not, I'm not completely out on jazz. It's just, I'm very cautious with jazz and drafts right now. We'll see how that goes. I just won't have jazz on every team as, as yes. much as I want them. It's one of those things like I'm going to be, I'm already exposed and I will probably have another couple shares on teams that matter. But he's not going to be a guy that it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't want him on 50% of my rosters even. Maybe 40 on the high end, like a 40% roster guy, which four out of 10 leagues, if I play 10 leagues, that's still a lot of exposure. But I'm willing to – that's kind of my max limit with him right now is what I'm thinking. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, Gene Segura, new Marlin, free agent contract over there. I have always loved Gene Segura. Hits for good average. You know, he's got 10-10, maybe 15-15 appeal, depending on the season. He could score some runs. Um good veteran if you want to go that direction he's gonna get to play pretty much every day for miami love it or hate it to curlin so what's your thoughts when it comes to fantasy because with a guy like gene segura we're talking an adp of 226 for second base eligibility and he should have he should gain third base my understanding is that he's supposed to start at third base however I don't understand. I'm just surprised he hasn't played third base since 2020. And the defensive metrics weren't bad, but this was also two years ago before he's now on what 32, 33 years old almost. One of the yeah. two, 32. It doesn't he's matter. Th- he's 33 this year. I'll say he's turned 33. Okay. Yeah. So it's one of those things where 
slowing down, getting older, playing farther away, playing third base versus second, that could be a little bit of a difference. We'll see. But the metrics were above average. Like they, you know, that's that's something at least worth mentioning that he has played third base. Just it's been a couple of years, and uh, I'm just curious how the OBP plays. If the OBP doesn't play up, do we see him stick in that two spot? I don't know. Because, uh, but at the end of the day, there also might not be other options. Yeah, we'll who else is taking that spot, basically? <laughs> well, do they bump players up? Do they do, do they do the yeah. whole hey, let's move Jazz second, let's move yeah. Cooper third, Solaire fourth, give Brian De La Cruz some love, maybe? Exactly. And it's just one of the things where if you look at the OBP for Segura two years before last, we saw three forty seven or better. But the one year one year we saw that that good was uh he had a double digit walk rate. The other year we saw Segura have a 240, a mid 240, sorry, mid 340s OBP was uh, he had a 290 batting average. Last year he had neither, and Segura was was closer to his career norm, like 336 OBP, I think was what he posted. He's a career 330 OBP guy. Not exactly ideal for a top, for a number two bat behind Arias. And I'm assuming Arias leads off at this point. Uh, yeah, that's where it's like, that's the only thing you have to worry about is like if he loses some of those. Two, two spot plate appearances but again i feel like he's gonna have a long leash there so it's one of those that's a very small concern just something i thought i saw i dug up while i was looking at him because with him you again you mentioned you kind of know what you're getting he's gonna hit yeah. 260 270 on the low end it feels like segura is while probably hitting double digit home runs i'd say at least 10 he was hitting 10 home runs even back in seattle and i don't think miami's gonna be that much worse for him mm-hmm. so 10 to 12 home runs and then probably uh, I just don't, we don't know how the manager is going to run this year. Is he going to be as are the Marlins going to be as aggressive? Because the Marlins are as aggressive as last year. We can see we can see close, like 15, 20 stolen bases, but if not, is 15 the ceiling now? 12? I wouldn't obviously bank a more, much more than the 10 to 12 you mentioned, but Segura has that type of upside for more. So we'll see how the Marlins are aggressive wise. I just it's one of those things where we don't know what to expect from the Marlins with the new coaching staff as of yet on the base pass. Sure. I, I just like the upside at the ADP, second base, gaining the third base. That just leaves a lot of flexibility for your team. For oh, absolutely. That, for a guy that's not going to really crush you in any one department, maybe RBIs, I guess. But uh, you can work around it at that point. The draft like it's a middle infield slash corner infield emergency type option, even third base, as bad as it is. I'm intrigued. You Let's brought t- me on here to be critical. I'm being critical here. Oh, I know. I'm not I'm not <laughs> disagreeing. I'm just giving my viewpoints where no, I, yeah. I like them. Yeah. I, I, all that all that sounded like I hated them. I, I, it's probably gonna come off as I hate everybody on the Marlins just because I can see all the negatives here and I'm trying I'm just see, I guess that's why I just go past it because I know how you think and I just like I, I know I'm where bred. you're at. Yeah, I'm bro- I'm just bred in negativity at this point, you know. Like well, let, let's talk one that I'm negative on is Luis Arise. Um real life baseball, sure. Good ball yeah. player, good bad average, gets on base, score some runs. Fantasy wise. To me, it's never worth the draft pick to me. You talk about, like, he maybe puts the runs to go with, otherwise he's just empty batting average, which, sure. But ADP 201, no thank you. He's first base, second base, which is kind of nice. Like, you get that option. But yeah. I'll pass. I just go away from this one. Um, maybe you can tell me otherwise. We've been opposite on Segura. Let's be opposite on our eyes. Tell me I'm wrong. What's your thoughts on Luis Arise? Uh No. <laughs> I, I'm the same <laughs> way. I'm the same way. I, I don't get, like I said, real life. This makes a lot more sense. Uh, batting title. The yeah. he actually has not that he's like terrible against lefties, but I think he hits like two, he hit like two sixty something against him last year compared to being really strong against righties, hitting over three hundred, like three thirty three. I don't think he's at a platoon risk because again, who's there to platoon with him unless they want to platoon Garrett Cooper at first base with Arias and then. 
but who else can play second? I mean, they they did go out of their way to get like 15 second baseman this offseason, and they True. still don't have enough depth except for Birdie to kind of take away plate appearances. So that would be the only thing I think of is maybe they want to squeeze Birdie in if Cooper struggles against righties, but Cooper doesn't exactly have bad splits. So I, don't know, I was throwing out ideas in my head on how they could somehow screw this up. So again, but uh, Arias, he is what he is. I feel like it's the same way. He loses any, like even that little bit of power he might've had, like close like eight home runs last year or four, one of the two, he had four or eight stolen bases. One of the, he, I thought yeah. those numbers, but um, he pretty much lost any power he had potential to once he went to Miami. And again, the only thing he could have is maybe he adds some stolen bases, but there's no guarantee that the Marlins run as much again this year. That's all. Yeah. It, it's a tough one. I don't understand the 201 ADP, but we'll see. Yeah. Let's go to Garrett Cooper, uh, first baseman slash outfield option. Actually, he is uh, first base only now in NFBC. Yeah. ADP of 441, though. I've always been a Cooper fan for the price-wise. It's always a question of can he stay healthy. He played 119 games most of his career last year. Um, I think there's a lot to like there if he can stay healthy, but it's just a big if with Coop. I know you're not the biggest Cooper guy. So what's your thoughts on Garrett Cooper? I was, and I think I just got, I'm sick. Of, I got burned by him and it's like always getting burned by him. And there's always that like, Oh, there's potential. There's potential. But is there at this point? Like I've been I told that like, for nearly 40 years. I got it. I understand. That's what I'm getting at. So Garrett Cooper's a guy that considering the price though, especially now I get it. He's a, he's a depth, he's a depth play in a deep league and that's fine. And he's okay there. I just, it's frustrating because I feel like there's always potential for more. But are they going to limit him again? Are they going to limit him because of health issues? You mentioned the career high 119 games, but he also has a 111 WRC plus or better since 2019. Every year since, so even though he's limited, he produces at above average level. Above average yep. level, yeah. So uh, maybe they want to make a point to rest him frequently, five games a week, kind of give him the, the Jesus Aguilar treatment of last year, where Aguilar was kind of so. playing four to five days a week, keeping him healthy, and then we get maybe some uh, more forte or whatever in the process getting some first base in there the best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day but if that's not in the cards this year you can still learn a language the second best way and that's with Babbel. be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. No, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I, I used to love him. I still I, I still like him in DCs right now, but I loved him when he had a first base outfield just because he gave you the depth that if he was playing like four games a week, you could get him in the right times or whatever. And like you said, he was still productive when he played. It's just, can he play? And I think the power is better than nine home runs. He still saw good yeah. barrel rates and hard hit rates and everything. So I think I think there is like a 15 home run guy there, and the projections got him for like 16 or so. At 441, deep, deep formats, sure, but it's not as it's not as enticing as it was probably for any of us a couple of years ago. I agree with you there. 
but I think at the price, I think there's still something we have not seen yet from, from Gary Cooper. Yeah, it's just it's all a matter of him staying healthy. And the problem is, is we just can't even even say those words really out loud. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if he stays healthy, it's it's one of those things where that if is like it's almost like a pipe dream now because I just have a heart. It's it's just never happened. And at what point do we stop expecting it to possibly happen? I agree. And and for him, what 119 could have just been if healthy. That could have been his if healthy year. Could have been very well. Could have been so. We'll see. I think a guy that we can kind of agree we're ready for a bounce back this year is Avisil Garcia. Um, hit in the middle of the order also. You know, ADP of 324. Only played 98 games last year after 135. We got 29 jacks in 2021. It was his first year in Miami. Uh, average was down. But, you know, you look at the quality of contact metrics and barrel rate was down, but like the max EVs, the hard hit rates, those were looking good still. So I think there's something to be optimistic about with Avisil unless uh, you're seeing something different. So what's your thoughts on him? I don't know what to think about him. I do recall him mentioning being out of out of shape last year and making a point to come into this year being in better shape. So that could play a part. Obviously, if a player's out of shape, shows up to camp, not taking it as serious as he should. Unfortunately, this is also the second like last year, twenty twenty two for Avisel Garcia was the uh, second straight season that we saw both the swing strike rate in, uh, creep up as well as the chase rate. So having both those things creep up simultaneously two straight seasons is a bit concerning, but he still was able to keep like, a decent Z contact. Like, that was actually better than it's been the last couple of years too. So maybe there's some stuff there going on in a, in a good way, but he has this weird odd years. You ever see his splits or yeah. ever look at his numbers? It's, it's like I, odd year, Avi, basically yep. going back to 2017, 138 diversity plus 92, 113, 83, 116, 66. He's due for like a 115, 112. Like, like there's no science there, but it's like the odd year Avi he's due for that. And especially you, you regress that K rate back to something that's more normal for him. You, you kind of, he comes back. If he comes in, comes in in better shape than he might, like, like he mentioned, I think we do get a little bit of a bounce back. And I think it's just, but it's just funny. Cause it's like, I want to be like, Hey, this it's odd. You're Avi. We're going to get it. You know, like I want to keep it simple like that sometimes. Hey, I have no problem with simple. <laughs> trust me. I'm a caveman when it comes to this yeah. stuff. So, so bring it on. Uh, another guy it's like, this is, this is why the Marlins are enticing. Yeah. Like, because there's so many like what ifs on this team, like what ifs, and Jorge Soler fits that mold perfectly. ADP of 283. Uh, we know the power's legit, just, he wasn't healthy all last year, uh, still walked a ton, strike rate went up, not ideal. But, um, I guess I read, I mentioned with Avi, you know, quality of contact still crushing the baseball, which is what you want to see from Jorge Soler. So, it's a big if if he stays healthy, are we back to a 20 plus home run dude and we get a heck of a value here, or, or what's your thoughts? If you actually look at like if you know we go just looking at uh, the half a year he pretty much gave us last year, Solaire did, and he was on he was pacing out power wise to be similar to the year before, like mid mid to upper twenties. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like it was. It's not like it's out of the question. At least I believe that's what I was looking at before. I I, I have my notes here, but I didn't write that down. I thought I did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the issue was we saw a big spike in the strikeout rate last year, and I feel like the strikeouts are going to continue to be an issue, and. I don't know if the batting average is going to be. I feel like I got my hopes up expecting a little bit of what we saw in the second half with the Braves into the playoffs uh, in 2021 from Soler. I was hoping for some of that to kind of, you know, spill over into Miami. It didn't. So it's one of those like that. That obviously might have been the exception to the rule that that growth might have been something that was a little. That's probably what he got paid off of, basically, based on that little bit of run in that World Series MVP that he won. 
if memory serves, he won the MVP that year, right? For that? Yes, I believe so. Yes, World so, Series one. So it made me so, and but we saw some like legitimate change, a huge second half with the Braves. I remember that. I was like so excited we, that the Marlins signed Solaire. So I feel like we still have a potential for that type of production on the high end, but I feel like the low end is what we saw the first half of that year and what we saw even last year uh, while healthy. So Solaire is just a guy that if you're okay absorbing the bad batting average, you know the power upside is as good as anyone's. He has that type of power. There's no de- not denying it. It's just a matter of uh, can he get back to being closer to the guy we saw in Atlanta and and farther away from the guy we saw in uh, Kansas City and part of last year. Yep, and that's the tricky part. But it's one of those like out of when you start going past ADP two hundred, if you look at potential like twenty five plus home run guys, he definitely fits that mold. That uh, he's one of the few. <laughs> yeah, so that makes it much more enticing at that point in the draft. Now, one I can't wrap my head around at all uh, ADP wise, Joey Wendell at three eighty one makes sense. Second base, third base, shortstop eligible, which is great. Um, he slotted in to be the starting shortstop, though. That's the part I get confused about in Miami. But tell me, is Joey Wendell fantasy viable at that ADP and those positional eligibilities? That's the only thing that saves him is the eligibilities. Uh, I don't see – there's no skill set here that is intriguing to me. At one point, I think he still like, – he looked like the type of guy that had like 20 stolen base upside a couple years back if memory serves. I, just, yeah, I remember – 16 steals in 2018. That's what it was. Yeah, I remember everyone was like, because I remember being in on them for that idea of like, oh, look, he can he can steal those bases. But if he's not, I don't know if he's going to be able to steal those bases. I don't know if he can stay healthy at this point. Like, I'm not sure if I could buy into that. I'm not, I'm trying to look at his, actually, I meant to look this up, his uh, defensive metrics at shortstop, if they even exist. Like, um, yeah, he wasn't bad, actually, as a, as a shortstop last year. So that, that explains why he's getting the start, as, uh, starting, at, starting at shortstop, I should say. So and Mish Mish is the one who actually said he'll be starting at shortstop. So you believe that for sure. Um, all things considered, though, fantasy wise, stolen base potential. He had 12 last year in just 371 plate appearances. You're only taking him for that and the positional flexibility because that's he's the closest thing to a rabbit on this team, probably besides Birdie. But Birdie doesn't have a starting role. But uh, oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to find something here and. It's the positional flexibility just for in case of injuries and if you're chasing steals on a desperate situation. Yeah, he's one of those guys that the flexibility at 381 and a DC comes in handy that late just to give you that, that roster depth, but you don't expect a ton when all things are said and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian De La Cruz in the outfield had a big finish to the season, like average-wise, contact-wise, was very, very good. ADP of 231 right now, 13 homers, four steals last year at 252. Like I said, the second half, or at least the last month or two, was very, very strong. Are we buying into that that finish of the season, or are we buying into the total package of Brian De La Cruz? I didn't see. So I, I, <laughs> I, I want to believe, but I don't know, man. It's hard to buy it. It was a 94 plate appearance, um, fit, uh, you know, September October. It was 94 plate appearance October September. What are you gonna call it? And he had uh, six home runs, hit 388, 419, 718. This is Brian De La Cruz I'm talking about with a 329 ISO, 215 WRC plus, a 17.7% barrel rate, and a 52.9% hard hit rate. Those are like MVP type numbers. Yeah. He had the lowest ground ball and the highest pull percentage of the year during the span, too. So there was an obvious approach change. And I believe he went down to the minors, fixed some stuff, or made some adjustments, came back up. I think he was it was him and Jesus Sanchez that both did that. Or, or actually made a point to go fix, try to adjust things and come back up. But um, then the, the the Dominican Winter League happened, and I'm pretty sure De La Cruz, if memory serves there, was rough around the edges. And that, that concerns me because if he can't find success there, 
coming off that hot finish, why is he going to suddenly, why would that carry over to when the games matter against like better, you know, competition. And that's where I get a, that's where I get a little concerned and I'm not sure if I'm buying in. Plus if you look at the Marlins lineup, they are struggling for some left-handed power in that bottom half of that lineup, even towards the middle. And Jesus Sanchez, they might not be ready to give up on him yet. And now that they don't need De La Cruz to necessarily play center because they're going to have Jazz playing center, I don't know if De La Cruz – I think it's going to be a, a legit – I mean, unless we see something that states otherwise, I don't see why they wouldn't let them battle it out in spring. Well, let's talk uh, Sanchez real quick then because, like I said, De La Cruz has an ADP of – Basically two thirty one, um, and we got God damn it. When you think Jesus Sanchez, it's four forty six. Like, are you taking yeah. the four forty six on Sanchez as a gamble, or are you sticking with De La Cruz much earlier? I haven't found myself getting De La Cruz as much as I'm intrigued. I'm not exactly out on him. It's just one of those things where I feel like either a I dress outfield differently or. I think because it's like one of those things where it was De La Cruz and like Lars Newport at one point going right by each other. And I was like, I got Lars 10 times out of 10, so I never got De La Cruz. And then it's like, I think I at this point I'm building outfield out to where I don't need, I don't end up with De La Cruz because I have outfield guys I have ranked ahead of them, like three or four of them already by the time I get to them. So I think it's part, that's part of why I'm all, but I, I think it's also, you're almost, I don't know, I feel like you're paying a lot. I think it's a high price to pay for somebody who had one strong month at the end of the year when you're facing the weakest competition in pitching as well. You have guys coming up just getting by. You have the, we have the worst catchers, you know, catchers that are just getting by that may, might not know how to call a game properly. These weird things that people don't necessarily factor in, and you can't really put that in the numbers anyway unless you go game by game, look at who the catcher and pitcher combos were. And even then, how do you quantify a bad, call, a badly called game from a catcher, right? Um, Makes a lot of sense, yeah. So it's one of those things where the more I, uh, the more I dive in, the more it's like I just find myself not. I guess I guess I can't say I'm out, I'm not, I can't say I'm in on a guy if I don't have any shares on like six teams already. So yeah. I, I guess I am out. I just don't want to say I'm out because I, I would take him at the right price. Is what it is. I just I guess that price hasn't been the price for me. Well, let's talk John Birdie then. It's talking about the price of of John Birdie, forty one steals last year, that monstrous run, then he got hurt, disappeared. One hundred two games was the most of his career by over seventeen games in twenty twenty one. He's second base, third base eligible, like you mentioned earlier. Doesn't have a, a set starting job. ADP is two eighty two, so people are still paying the price for him for the chance he does get the steals at some point in time. Um, how are you approaching John Birdie draft season wise? I, I honestly wasn't too interested. I actually became more interested the more I dove in for this podcast, only because I see plenty of path, pl- plenty of paths to playing time via injury or days. Like I could see them playing three days a week already, just looking at the way they might want to give everyone in the infield a day off. Like he could play second, he could play short, he could play third. Segura's no spring chicken. Wendell's no spring chicken, and um, Arias, if he gets stuck platooning, Birdie could just be a platoon partner there. I'm just sure. saying Arias platooning because that's what we saw last year. Obviously, new team could be a new approach. I don't see Arias platooning, but we're just saying worst best case scenario for Birdie here. So Birdie, I'm seeing a path to playing time just in general via utility, probably two games a week. But then the second there's an injury, he's a guy, he's a full time guy again. So if you're looking, if again, if you want to bank on the steals, it's, that's all it is. is if you want to kind of stash a guy on your bench that you know that can come up and be, if he starts for like three weeks can give you like seven steals or so in like two to three weeks that's what you're that's literally what you're drafting him for so if you want if you want that type of upside 
I get it. I have, I haven't had them. I, I've been avoiding it since I'm trying to build out teams where I don't need those types of players, but at least I'm trying to provide optimism for those that might think, because what, what we got last year is not going to happen again this year. Let's just make that sh- very clear about birdie. Birdie's not going to do what he did last year. It's going to take a lot, I think, but I do think that he will have useful runs. And if you are stolen base needy, taking him and, and just sitting on him in draft champions formats isn't the worst idea because you just know that there's going to be an injury and he should be that first man up, especially in the infield. Yeah, there'll be a stretch where he becomes very, very viable like last year. So we'll see what happens. Last question offensively I have, unless you have other players to discuss, catching. We know Stallings is there because of his defense. We know Fortes is the better offensive talent. I think most of us in fantasy are banking on Fortes at some point in time, getting a lion's share, of the, like a, a larger share of the role, but who knows? Um, how are you approaching these two come draft season? Because Fortez's ADP right now is 323. I was a Fortez guy. And then I started was. realizing. Was. Well, I, I, I was. And I still am not opposed to the price because two catcher leagues, he offers yeah. that upside at the catcher position. And you can pair him. He's going late enough where you can pair him with somebody that, oh, I don't know, his own freaking partner, Jacob Stallings, if you really wanted to. Really but wanted um. To, yeah. You could. My point is, is you could pair him. He's going late enough to where if you take him and he doesn't hit on that upside, you could still fall. There's a fallback option there, like a Luis Campisano or something that, like, I think is going to end up breaking camp at this at this point with the way the team has addressed catcher or, or hasn't really addressed catcher over there in uh, San Diego. But um, what I'm getting at is that uh, Fortes is a guy that just he has that upside. It's just one of those things where the playing time isn't so set and so clear, and that's why it's like I'm okay with him not catching, but uh, they started now the, the Marlins actually started making more moves and they already are kind of, they're already kind of clogged at DH with Soler sure. and then, and then um, Schum- Schumacher and, um, and, and company up there, the, the front office has actually made comments about how Soler is going to be like the primary DH with the DH getting spread around to keep others healthy throughout the year. But if they're already making comments about Soler being the primary DH, that kind of made me fall back a little in Fortez a little bit. And now, now you're hoping for some first base run, but then if he gets that first base run, that's gonna be that's gonna come at the expense of Cooper. So it's like picking picking two pick your poison here. You know what are you rooting for? So Fortez, it's one of those like he's the odd man out and he's getting squeezed because I don't I think Stallings' defense, at least that's what they went out and got him for last year. His defense and his framing and all that. I feel like that if that's gonna be if that's strong to start the year, that's gonna be one of those things that keeps him heavily involved and probably keeps them in in a in a stronger side of that playing time yeah i'm with you on that one as well yeah (laughs) let's go let's go to the mound now where this is where the marlins kind of have some more of the fantasy relevance it feels like at times and we start with sandy alcantara the nl cy young award winner he's the eighth pitcher off the board like the sixth starting pitcher at adp of 30 ish um, 228 innings last year, or 200, almost 229 innings. Ratios were great. Second straight year over 205. Third straight over 197. So he's an innings eater. He's an accumulator, though, is what I always say. Like, if he doesn't get the innings and he's not getting the strikeouts you want either, and wins are always going to be tough regardless. So I've just kind of been stubborn and been out on Sandy. I understand those that are in on Sandy. I get both sides of the spectrum. How are you viewing Sandy at this price point and uh, the talent level? I'm I'm I hated to I listened to your pod with uh with Toby and you know I did because I sent you your yeah, uh it was the when you said the wrong Severino it was really funny to me 
But uh, anyway, I digress. So I listened to it and I was like, I was like in lockstep with you guys. It sucks because I think Sandy, the talent is evident. I think he's great. I just also think for fantasy purposes, there's there's no room for growth where you're drafting him. And we're not getting 220 innings again. Like he's going to, he'll probably get close to 200, if not 200 again. That's, that's something I feel comfortable saying. And I feel like that's, I understand people who pay for that because you're paying for that stability in a, in a day and age where we're hoping for 150 from these absolute ace guys at this point, you know? So I get that. It, it makes sense. I just, it's one of those things where if one little thing goes wrong, he's not coming close to that draft price. And Sandy is a guy that needs everything to go right to hit, to be even, to even make that price make sense. And I, it hurts to say that. I feel like he's like, maybe, you're, maybe what it is also is you're, again, you're paying for a sense of security because he, he, I would argue that Sandy probably has the highest floor in fantasy among That's pitchers. Fair. That's fair. I, I'd say that you're, I'd say, I say you're getting, and you're getting that. So maybe you're getting SP 15, but you're paying that SP top five price. That's not a actual, that's not a huge loss. It's just obviously, but it's, it's still a big enough loss to be like, well, why are you taking him as the top five SP then? Yeah. When you know that there's a good chance he turns it back into that top, closer to a top 15 ish guy, just because the strikeouts might not be there. Cause he always shows glimpse potential for strikeouts at times, like in spurts, like this half here, or this half there. He's never, uh, Sandy's never put it together for a full season to where the strikeouts have ever become a true positive or a true plus. And so that's why he's like you mentioned the volume has what is what's made Sandy so so valuable to fantasy managers and I do think that he's still going to have that volume but all it takes is one IL stint to throw that volume out the window now you have you have a less valuable um, Dodgers Louis uh, what's his name wow uh, Urias uh, Urias yeah yeah, yeah Urias so, Julio so yeah so if one IL stint one 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 blister not even a freak like a fluke injury like that one blister he turns into he's close to a Urias without the wins because yep. that's all that's all Urias is the same type of pitcher but gets 20 wins a season or something like well not somehow it's the Dodgers yeah, but the Dodgers. you get my point so yeah like all it takes is one fluke blister one something stupid one slips on a dugout mat like things that we've seen people actually do <laughs> it takes one thing like that and and now he's not as valuable. So that's why it's like because you're playing with something that's such a small like potential for just it takes so little for him to not hit that draft cost is why I'm out. And it's it's frustrating because he's really good. It's not like I'm I, I'm with you. I feel bad. I feel guilty for fading him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. Like I feel dirty for it. And like that's why I preface him. Like if anybody likes him, this is not a slight on you. It's just my tell. It's like the way I view it with the he has to pitch the innings. And if he doesn't he's a very good pitcher, but he's not a 30th overall draft pick. Like that's, that's the kicker when it comes to the Sandy man. So it's, it's an interesting yeah. discussion and, and um, we're starting, at least starting to sound like there's more people that agree with us slowly that are coming out and admitting it than there were before. Um, let's go to Jesus Lazardo now. This is a, a fun one. We all, we've all known the talent is awesome with Jesus Lazardo. That's never been in question. It's the health. And last year we got a hundred innings, out of him, he kind of came back late in the season, and he was pretty darn good. ADP of like 145 right now. We had the strikeouts last year. The ratios are good in the time that he pitched. It's a question of how many innings does he go this year is the biggest question for me. So how do you look at Jesus Lazardo? Maybe you've heard something from Mish or somebody else down there. I I actually was looking for stuff on all these guys except for Johnny Cueto, which we'll talk about soon. But I looked yeah. up, I looked I was looking up articles on all these guys just to check in on their health to see if I could find anything that suggests maybe they went to like 
work at driveline or you know just stuff that yeah. we might be missing on twitter i found nothing it's probably because it's still only Jan- oh sorry february early february but uh usually by now we get those driveline uh, notices that's why i was like maybe i'll find something but no nothing lazardo eight of his final nine starts he went six plus innings so it's like so he was being efficient which is great i want to see the velo this spring just because when he returned it was a little down and then it did trend up towards the end of the year but it never quite returned to where it started at last year so the velo not necessarily an issue just something i want to see um what, uh with his uh, what something i want to see with his Jesus lazardo i'm trying to say the name and i, I apologize um also the uh i want to see how his pitch mix goes because again it was just such a small sample when he returned he did something and then kind of changes pitch mix the final month as well and he found success both ways so was it just a matter of matchups was it a matter of not getting maybe he got more comfortable with the four seamer because he was throwing the four seamer more dip back on the changeup you know the changeup's a really strong pitch for him and it was one of those things i just want to see how he starts the year off and his choice of pitch mix so more so just curious to see how it goes but all that to say that like i'm really in on him i really like what we saw and how he came back healthy and finished the year strong especially with those again eight and nine starts going six plus i think that's a really really good indication of health so lazardo's not a guy i'm really worried about health wise but him cabrera who's on this list i'll just Real quick about Cabrera was the innings as well. I don't know what to expect with the innings limits for these guys. So yeah. this could open up just more um, more time for other guys on the on the fringe here, you know. Which is good because there's a, a, a bunch of fringe options, which we'll talk about. So it kind of helps with that. And, like, they're more fringe guys now because Johnny Cueto is on the Marlins. And this was, like, one of those, I guess, like, from a real – this is, again, a real-life baseball. Kind of made yeah. sense. He was cheap. He's going to be innings. He's a veteran presence. Like, there's – Anything you want to point to makes sense. Fantasy wise, we, we like we like to joke around about how like you know there's helium and there's this and that. But when it comes to Johnny Cueto, still an ADP in the four seventies. So people have not bitten into that. You know, all the innings last year, ratios were better than they've been in a long time. Didn't strike anybody out. I don't see a lot of that change in Kerwin. Do you see anything worth gravitating to Johnny Cueto for? Outside of DCs or or NL only, he's it's it's just yeah, that's it. Like Cueto, it's. He's fun to watch because he does like all those weird movements and stuff. But yeah, he'll be great for the clubhouse. He'll be phenomenal for the clubhouse. Yeah. Hopefully, he brings his horses. Good. It'll be a great time. Um, oh, the you stallions! Edward... Remember that thing? That was the yep. whole thing with the, with my. Oh, we've got a bunch of that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, Edward Cabrera, you mentioned him briefly. He's got an ADP at two twenty six. So you mentioned the innings concerns with him. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on with Mister Edward Cabrera, who only threw well between AAA and the bigs last year, threw close to hundred innings. It was yeah, it was 110. I think I counted. Uh, mm-hmm. Regardless, there were some there are some walk concerns, but everyone speaks so highly of him and his potential to get better. And if there's a team that you believe in when it comes to developing pitching, it is the Marlins. So Edward Cabrera having the arsenal he has, he had three pitches last year with like a 32% O swing or better, with the changeup having a 42.7% O swing. So he gets chases on his pitches. It's just a matter of can he also induce swinging strikes because i noticed those rates were kind of on lower end expected especially expecting how much like strikeout stuff he has i know the stuff's there he also faced more lefties than righties which is really weird for any pitcher i feel like but he faced more lefties than righties at least innings pitch versus lefties right from what i was looking at on the splits i was like huh that was really intriguing at the at the major league level but um it's it's good because he has um him and lazardo both have i think lazardo has four pitches and ever has five and they both have two that they are able to attack lefties with. So that gives them the fact that they can both attack both sides of the uh, plate. 
with uh different pitch mixes and stuff. But Cabrera, I was just I just found it really intriguing the way he's able to the way he just he has so much potential. And I really like betting on the potential in this in this rotation with this development team because you mentioned the Marlins are good at one thing and that's developing pitching because they can't develop a hitter for their lives. That's why they trade for them and that's why they uh. Well, I should say I would say sign, but they don't make good signings. They sign terrible hitters apparently. But yes, uh, Edward Cabrera is a very, very solid upside play. If you've built out a really strong staff for fantasy, Cabrera is that wild card that you take. Maybe you're like SP five that has like huge upside. But just know that they're. I mean, we well, he dealt with like what was it one or two bicep injuries last year? It was, and then oh, like, like then he had, like two. I think it was two. I think it was like he was recovering from one, and then it, like it flared back up or something. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those things where, you know, just like the, the, the nature of the position is more, you know, more likely for injury. So, um, that's the thing you have to worry about with him though. You, and again, the innings and the, so there's innings issues because of the, because of injuries and then, uh, walks issues. So there's a little bit of, but it makes sense. It's all built into the price. I, I just don't think there's many players there with that type of upside where he's going. So the, the price tag is really, really intriguing. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, there's so much talent there. Just keep it on the field, like you're saying. We, we could have a lot of fun. Uh, the battle for the fifth starting pitcher job, Trevor Rogers, ADP 258. Braxton Garrett, 365. I'm a team Braxton Garrett guy, and that's why I was really angry when Cueto got signed. Yeah. Um, I think there's still something there with Rogers too. We, know, we saw how nasty last year was when he came back from his injury a little better. Uh, he's still so young. I think there's hope for both these guys, but it'll be an interesting battle. So how do you look at uh, Trevor Rogers and Braxton Garrett? I look at it from a fantasy perspective that Rogers has the upside where Garrett has the floor, especially yeah. because we saw how Rogers, um, the, 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 the splits weren't as good as they probably should have been for Rogers. Rogers just, I feel like that, that it was the uh, fastball guy just, hit hard in the second half but when you saw rogers like underneath under the like under the hood in the second half we had um a 3.72 fip a 2.75 x fip and a 3.03 sierra with a 22.7 percent k minus walk rate the bad was the 20 percent home run the fly ball rate and a, a blow average strand rate and a 356 babbit so he had bad luck on top of bad home run on top of giving up too many home runs in the second half, but Rogers was starting to figure it out, increase the four seamer usage, decrease the slider usage and increase the changeup usage. So there was a change of pitch mix. He was starting to get, get a feel for things and it just wasn't completely materializing, but we saw it coming. We saw it improving, especially under the hood where, which is what we like to bank on, not the actual, you know, ERA. So Rogers, I feel like we, and we, and plus we've seen Rogers actually succeed at the big level. Not to say that Braxton Garrett didn't, He's just, he's just Braxton Garrett. <laughs> like he, like what he showed us was just solid. Like okay, you're good for a two start week. Maybe a, a like maybe a, a, a national a one start week against the Nationals type of guy, which has uses in deeper formats for sure. And it goes back to these guys not being able to stay healthy. He'll be he'll probably get 100 plus innings in this rotation anyway. So draft them both. I feel like if he doesn't just straight up beat up, beat out Rodgers, both these guys are going to find their way into this rotation, given the likelihood of some of these other guys missing time or needing a, 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 a phantom IL stint, you know? Yep. That's what's going to – they'll get their time, like you said. So I, I'm still kind of buying into both, if, they, if especially uh, Garrett at his price, but I don't dislike the Rodgers thing. I like the comps of floor ceiling. 
between the two as being quite interesting. Now, when we look at the bullpen, this is where it gets fun. Like, Flora was seemed like he was the guy for a long time. Then we saw Tanner Scott get his at times. He's done that throughout his career, wherever he's been. It sneaks in a few here and there. Then they go and trade for Matt Barnes, who's kind of feels like a right-handed version of Tanner Scott. So that's annoying. Um, I always thought like Floro's gig because he was the best option. Plus they want to trade him. So I'm curious, how do you look at the back end of the Marlins bullpen? Just assuming they get wins to even qualify. Hey now, hey now, <laughs> <laughs> hey Barnes put up a like a 1.59 ERA last year in the second half. Okay, so yeah, there's there's something actually. there. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, in all reality, I'm not expecting much. I mean, still, still, I mean, we're talking about a couple guys that are just, I, it's probably going to, I think Floro probably earned the, at least to start with the role because, you know, he finished with it. I feel like he'll just get a chance to run with it to start. I do think this kind of takes Tanner Scott out of it unless it's a heavy lefty. And these days, you know, teams don't really have three lefties in a row, but maybe he can get two out of three lefties if he gets, because he is that lefty guy. So maybe he can get matchup based, but. I think it's Floro's job to lose with Barnes. I think Barnes will get some, and especially if Barnes comes out picking up where he left off to finish last year, we could see Barnes claim it as well. But Floro didn't do anything to lose it, I think is the important thing here. And that's why I still lean with Floro being the guy entering the year, unless we hear otherwise, because that's always possible too. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Any other hitters or pitchers we did not discuss besides the prospects we'll discuss shortly that are worth fantasy interest to you? Um, you mentioned uh, Jesus Sanchez. I, oh, I did. Yeah. I did pull up De La Cruz's uh, uh, Dominican Winter League, and he had like a six thirty two OPS in the Dominican Winter League this this off season. Not a, not not ideal. Let's put it that way. Only thirty three at bats or play appearances. Excuse me. Or sorry, thirty three games. No, it was, it was small like, sample. No, no, no. 30, 33 games, not at bats. I lied. One thirty six PA. So it's still a small yeah, sample, but decent, a larger, small but decent, but decent. Still. A larger small sample. Yeah. <laughs> but still, my, my point is though, is it's like that's we're talking about what type of what type of players did he face there? You know what I mean? Like yep. that's where it gets kind of interesting. Like he wasn't sure. facing MLB talent there, so why couldn't he carry over that small time success? Was he just not maybe out of his element, not playing with not with his certain coaches, and that's why you can't judge the that winter league performance, but it was something that's like, well, why couldn't he at least follow it up with a mediocre outing, but yeah, sub 700 OPS. Something, something. Uh, yeah. I'm with anyway, you on that so, one. Anyway, that was a, that's the, I guess that, if nothing else, that was worth circling back and discussing and mentioning any prospects that could have a potential fantasy impact this year. Are we just kind of stuck with what we got when it comes to like, is JJ Bleday finally going to happen or what do we, what do we got when it comes to prospects for the Marlins? I just don't trust the Marlins when it comes to, uh, when it comes to developing hitters. So if they couldn't yeah. make, I mean, Bleday is probably going to be one of the first guys, Peyton Burdick. We'll see him again. Gerard and Carnacion. The problem is, is like the one position that the Marlins are like, Unless they make until they make trades, they are they are so like outfield is such a crunch because that's like the only position that they seem to have any type of depth at. But um, in terms of middle infield, two guys I wanted to mention just because they're new to the team and they actually have probably the easiest path to playing time given that again, an injury to Wendell and if they don't believe in Birdie, it'd be Xavier Edwards who they went out and grabbed from the Rays, who's a speed first guy. So I wouldn't expect any power there, but a guy who stole. Last uh, last year, just seven stolen bases, but years before that, 19, 14, 20, like the guys stolen bases at, at multiple levels, decent, uh, decent plate discipline, sub 20% K rate at every stop, double digit walk rates, the last two stops. So 
on base abilities there and there's stolen base potential. That's Xavier Edwards. Just unfortunately, um, just a slap. Wait, wait, was he was the slap dick prospect, right? That was that's who it was. I think so. Yes. Now that you mention it, <laughs> now that you mention it, I think he was the one that came from San Diego in that deal. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he was San Diego, uh, Tampa, yep. and now yeah. So yeah, yes. he would he would be the slap dick, and it's fitting now he's a Marlin. Um, and then Jacob Amaya was the other one came yeah. over from LA, uh, seventeen and six last year with with really strong plate discipline. Spiked the K rays a little bit in the upper minors, but not like an alarming rate. Just because there's a little bit of power speed there, that that caught my attention while I was looking into their like, and he's on the forty man, so it's big. like okay, well, and that's what caught my attention. I was like, I, you know, again going back to the forty man, I look at when I look at prospects for fantasy. Small tangent, I guess. Um, I like to see that they're on the 40 man. Now that can change any given moment because we have there was four huge names like Jordan Walker, Matt Mervis, uh, Anthony Volpe, and and Oscar Colas, 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 sorry. Um, those four are not on their team's respective 40 mans right now. So as we enter spring training, the teams actually have to make room for them if they want to bring them on to start the year. This was that was that right now that suggests to me that they have no plans on bringing them on to start the year. It doesn't mean they won't be early call ups. It's just one of those things where it's like people hope these players are going to break camp, but if they're not on the 40 man, which again can change any given moment. So it's not the end all be all, but it is something I try to look at when it comes to like these random, maybe potential like lower end or no name prospects that could be something in the second half or at some point randomly. That's what I look for. Just are they on the 40 man and do they offer any type of skill set that intrigues me? <laughs> and then I come across names like Jacob Amaya, which I, I'm not a prospect guy. So that name was like, okay, I know, I know his, uh, I think I'm guessing, I wonder if he's related to the Cubs Maya, the catcher. Oh, that <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, and I liked how you put that out there with the Mervis and all those guys because I think it really stood out to people like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should slow down on some of these guys real quick just because that 40 man deal is kind of a big deal. Last name I have for you. Oh God. ADP of around 556. What's the deal with big boy Sixto Sanchez? Okay, can we get Eric Cross in here? Because uh that's his boy. All right, so Sixto. Um, it's funny you mentioned it because I, I the last I saw on him, I didn't even bother looking him up for this podcast because I just I forgot all about it till I was scrolling through stuff on their roster resource page. Oh no, no, I get I I saw his name, I just didn't care. <laughs> I was <laughs> I noticed them. It was one of those things where because it was funny. Um, I think it was like a month ago we saw a video of him long tossing again, and I'm like, is this just re like are they just re re releasing footage? Is this like <laughs> they're just like pulling a Tom Brady and just like this time last year they did the same thing, you know? Yep. And it's just I saw him. So I'm like, okay, cool. He's long tossing again. We haven't seen him throw a ball in a meaningful way in like two full seasons. Uh, it feels like two years now. Um, I don't have any expectations if he can be back for the second half or at some point even in the first half that'd be great um he would he would factor in to that but he maybe at this point he's better off in a multi-inning relief role i'm guessing that's what 2023 has in store for him they got to stretch that thing back out i think they got to take it slow they've taken it this slow why rush it now yeah it's and even then are we sure he's gonna be close to what he was and he showed flashes but the injuries have been just constant and we're we gonna get 50, 60 innings out of him anyway. If he was a starter, maybe 70 on a good in a good year. Yeah, I guess I bring it up just because people are drafting him still. And I'm just like, I can't, I I I can't. I know the ADP is so low, I just can't. I don't see any upside to it at all. I feel like that's part of the trap, maybe. And we could talk this is a little bit of a tangent as well, but um something I've learned as a drafter is that like I used to draft players like this based on upside and name alone, like, oh, this guy is a big name prospect, and oh, he's he's going this late. This is a value. 
but no, in these leagues that you're drafting them in, you need players that are going to actually play. And at that, yeah. at that ADP, there are players still being drafted that will actually give you innings or give you more starts or give you something that you can actually use still. Whereas with him, it's all about taking, you're taking a huge chance there. And some people don't see the harm in, Oh, what, what, what's if he doesn't play? Oh, well, it's like, it's there's no such thing as a free square in these leagues. I used to think there was, you know, I used to think, Oh, I'll take it. Oh, what's, what's one spot. Well, in, in August, when I have like, when I'm starting Kevin Biggio and his three games a week, because I need plate appearances and that's, and everyone else is injured. I'm glad to Kevin Biggio in the 600s. Like bad example because I don't know if he'll actually be on the team, but you get my point though. It's just one of those things where it's like I I don't like to waste. I, I try not to use I try not to use picks on guys I think aren't gonna play most of the year. Yeah, I'm 100 with you. I'm with you. Lessons learned myself as well. You learn from these guys that win everything. And they talk about <laughs> at bats and innings pitched. I don't care how good or bad they are. Like, I was looking where six though is, and these guys aren't great, but these guys are guys that are gonna be pitching. Jordan Lyles goes after him. Um, mm-hmm. Trevor Williams goes out like these aren't sexy by any means, but these are dudes that are gonna start every fifth day. Give me Matt Brash. Yeah, I know he's going right around there. Yeah, you you got relievers, you got Brash, you got um like Chris Martin out of Boston, Vestia out of LA. There's just a bunch of dudes you know are going to be putting in innings all season long. So it just changes the whole outlook on things. And that's a mindset thing that you live and learn, or you just learn real quick and then live. It's up to you. But um, we learned the hard way, of course. Yeah, because I did it multiple seasons. It wasn't once. I, I didn't learn the easy way either. I, I didn't learn like one time I failed. No, I failed multiple times. <laughs> yes, I fall, I get back up, I fall again, and I try to get back up. I try not to fall the third time, but we'll see. It probably happens. I stumble. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm, a klutz. I'm a klutz. It's okay. No balance over here. Big guy, fall hard. Yeah. Um, but we'll wrap it up there, my friend, Mr. Curlin. The Marlins, see, done. Pain, painful, less painful. I don't know. But uh, before we leave, plug all of your great stuff. Okay, so if you want to just find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, that's the main place to find me. Um, you, I, I tweet all my work out there. But uh, other than that, it's really the Patreon right now is uh, patreon.com slash GTE Fantasy. And then the YouTube, youtube.com at GTE Fantasy, where I pride myself in building up that GTE Fantasy YouTube page because I'm doing stuff that no other fantasy baseball YouTuber is doing because there's like three of us. So <laughs> bingo, other than obviously other than the podcasts. And stuff yeah, no, like but that. you're talking different stuff. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm actually putting out I'm putting out YouTube specific content. So if you're into video content or you're trying to find some video content for, for baseball and fantasy baseball, come check. It's GTE. It's, it's on brand. It's you got to come check it out. Yep. Go check out Curlin. He's got his other written content elsewhere. Yeah. But GT is the main source, as he said. There it He's is. On, on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, which is always great stuff. But what is also great is chatting with you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me tonight. As always, man. It's always fun. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, your Miami Marlins 2023 season preview. Catch you guys next time. Yeah.